You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now. Welcome to our special Bogosity Podcast year-end wrap-up for 2017, where we look back over the year and try to figure out which idiot stands out above the rest. First, let's cover a couple last-minute news of the bogus items. We'll start with Joseph Stiglitz, a socialist economist who opened up his mouth and demonstrated how ignorant he is about Bitcoin. This has to be heard to be believed. One of the main functions of government is to create currency. Uh, and uh, Bitcoin is uh, successful only because of its potential for circumvention, uh, o- lack of oversight. So it seems to me it ought to be outlawed. Uh, it doesn't serve any socially useful function. Oh, well, aren't the rest of us just so lucky to have someone like Stiglitz to tell us what we ought to find useful? Let's just ban everything he doesn't like. This is a blatantly authoritarian mindset. And, and this is just a, a bubble, as several of your commentators have already pointed out. It's a bubble that's... Uh, uh, uh... Spit it out, Stiglitz. But yes, this is the long-debunked Bitcoin is a bubble crap. Maybe the commentator can help him out. Our peculiar follies in the behavioral component that makes for these bubbles, whether it's 1637 and tulip bulbs. Problem! The tulip bubble didn't actually happen. It was complete propaganda cooked up by Calvinists to argue against materialism. And one sees a lot of similarities between those Calvinists and socialists like Stiglitz. Stiglitz did, after all, have wonderful things to say about Venezuela before the bottom fell out of their economy, so maybe he's not the guy you want to listen to on matters like this. They're relying on a Marxist theory of value. Wow, projection much? Well, the value of a Bitcoin today is expectations of what the Bitcoin is going to be tomorrow. But isn't that true of all money? That it's a store of value? Maybe he doesn't want it to be because he wants his wonderful government to be able to inflate with impunity, but reality just doesn't work that way. If the government says, look at... Uh, the, the reason Bitcoin is being used is the circumvention. They could close well, it down at any moment, and then uh, it collapses. Wow. Do we need any more proof that he doesn't understand the first thing about how Bitcoin works? Bitcoin is decentralized. There's no office to raid, no servers to seize. Stiglitz doesn't think that cryptocurrencies can work because they're not enforced by government. But they don't have to be. A government can be defeated, after all. After the Civil War, Confederate money was worthless. But cryptocurrencies are enforced by math. No police force, no army can make 2 plus 2 equal anything other than 4. But I guess that much math is completely beyond the ability of Stiglitz to comprehend. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? 
If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. One more incredibly bogus item the bears mentioning, Apple finally admitted that newer versions of iOS, its operating system it puts on iPhones and iPads, were deliberately underclocking older devices after a developer discovered the code and released it to the world. Older devices like the iPhone 6 were becoming almost completely unusable according to users who updated to later versions of iOS. Now, that's to be expected as OSs get more feature-rich, but in this case, it appears that a lot of their experience was completely artificial. We've known for decades that Microsoft makes each new version of Windows heftier at the insistence of hardware manufacturers. It doesn't have to be that way. Just look at any Linux distro that's just as feature-rich as Windows and how much better it runs on older hardware when compared to Windows. Well, remember, Apple does the hardware too, so they have the same incentive. But what they've been doing is completely artificial. They've been literally slowing down the hardware with their newer versions, making it run at a lower clock speed. They claim that this is about extending the battery life of older phones, but Apple, that is not how this is done. Look at the advances Google made in Android Oreo for some techniques on actually extending battery life. It also doesn't explain why it still happens when the phone is fully charged and plugged into the charger. Apple has now apologized and is offering anyone with an iPhone 6 or later a battery replacement for $29, which is $50 less than the usual cost, and I just have to say, batteries do not cost that much, people. But it also means they're going back on their older promise that iPhone users would never need to replace the battery. Apple still is claiming that there isn't a performance penalty, even though the new benchmark data show that the performance hit is even worse than previously thought. Apple spent so many years building up their credibility as a company, but in these last few years, they seem bent to undo it all. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. 
You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Before we get into the Idiot of the Year, let's review the three winners of the Silver Cluon Award in 2017. Chris Thomas was the first winner on the 22nd of January for his completely brilliant Project Squirrel, showing how animals such as squirrels and jellyfish are far more of a threat to our infrastructure than terrorists, while also highlighting the very real problems they can cause. The makers of the encrypted workspace app Turtle won it on the 3rd of September for their awesome webpage on encryption, showing all of the ways Turtle is not secure, which is really a beautiful description of how any piece of software might not be secure. A definite must-read for everyone. And Cards Against Humanity won it on November 19th for their brilliant idea for blocking Trump's border wall. They purchased a plot of vacant land on the border and retained a firm specializing in eminent domain issues. They don't claim it'll stop the wall, but it should be entertaining seeing how long they can keep it embroiled in court. Yes, only three this year, but we'll see what 2018 brings. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. So now let's find out who is 2017's Idiot of the Year. One of them has to be the World Wide Web Consortium and its director Tim Berners-Lee when they went against every single one of their founding principles and made free speech hating and user hating DRM a web standard. The NHS has to come towards the front for their psychopathic attitude towards the perils of baby Charlie Gard whose parents had a doctor in the U.S. ready to treat his rare condition and had raised the money to take him to the U.S. and pay for the treatment. The NHS basically claimed ownership over baby Charlie and refused to let his parents take them, and the British legal system backed them up on it. They kept this up until baby Charlie's condition became irreversible. The European Union should at least get a dishonorable mention. On the 9th of April, we covered their continued push for encryption backdoors so that they can see everything that's being done by everyone online, regardless of whether or not they're in Europe. 
On the 11th of June, we covered their attempt to instigate content filtering in the name of consumer protection, putting the screws on any website that allows user comments because someone might post a link to copyrighted content, and to instigate a link tax, a requirement to pay for permission to post a link to a media publisher and to have copyright infringement defined as quoting so much as a single word of a copyrighted work. They also made an attempt to tax image search engines, forcing them to get a license with image rights holders. And on October 8th, we talked about how they commissioned a study which concluded that unauthorized downloads have almost no adverse effect on sales, and then buried it because it goes against their own policy. And they wonder why so many people think Brexit was a good idea. Of course, one of the nominees has to be President Donald Trump. It's almost become a tradition with Bogosity to nominate the President of the United States because there seems to be a lot of Bogosity emanating from that one person, regardless of who it is. It started pretty much right after he took office on January 22nd when he took his first idiot extraordinaire for hiring a know-nothing who built a very easily hacked website as his cybersecurity head. Then on March 12th, he took his first biggest bogan emitter as a list of false statements from his first address to Congress was published by Indy 100. And although we disagreed that a lot of them were false, there were more than enough genuinely false statements left for him to qualify. He took it again on September 17th when he claimed the border wall would stop drugs coming into the country when drugs very rarely actually come into the country that way. They either come on ships or planes or are smuggled through checkpoints, including drugs coming from Mexico. And he took it one last time on December 3rd when he strong-armed RT into registering as a foreign agent, something no other media organization run by a foreign government has ever had to do. There were also times when he didn't make Biggest Bogani Mitter or Idiot Extraordinaire where we had to call him out anyway, such as the time when he said that we don't have to worry about the national debt because government can just print the money. On February 5th, we covered the Koch Network condemning his ban on refugees and immigrants, and in that same episode talked about how Trump killed an American citizen, an 8-year-old girl, who's the younger sister of the 16-year-old American citizen that Obama killed. Welcome the new boss, same as the old boss. The next week, we covered how his travel ban resulted in a U.S.-born NASA scientist being detained at the border while Customs and Border Patrol illegally made him unlock his phone, something we reported happening to others as the year went on. They even made Idiot Extraordinaire on 26 February when they claimed that they didn't need a warrant to force someone to unlock a cell phone. The border and the area within 50 miles of it seems to have been made a Bill of Rights-free zone. And then, of course, there's his absolutely ridiculous pardon of Joe Arpaio. Yeah, there's no shortage of reasons why Trump should qualify. Now let's hear from our co-hosts. Here's Chris Hangartner with his nomination. Hello. My nomination for this year's Idiot of the Year has to be Hollywood and the film industry as a whole for being the biggest pushers of all these tough copyright laws that we all so love. While copyright is still the main fault of the government, there's no denying that, the fact that big media is embracing copyright regulations and using it to create a virtual monopoly and using their authority permitted by the federal government to sue people and to nail the head in the hammer, everyone knows the Hollywood and film industry as a whole is dying, and it's partially because of all these copyright rules, and yet Hollywood is still scratching their heads saying, gee, why is our industry failing while video games and the internet are thriving? And that is why Hollywood and the film industry gets my nomination for this year's Idiot of the Year. 
There certainly was a lot of copyright bogosity this year. On 26 February, we talked about the pirate site with no traffic, which somehow got 49 million DMCA notices filed against it, almost all of which were completely bogus. And on December 10th, Epic Games took biggest bogani minute for suing a 14-year-old for copyright violation because he wrote a game cheat. And throughout the year, the U.S. continued its bogus persecution of mega-upload creator Kim.com. And then there was the story on October 15th when Nintendo took Idiot Extraordinaire for issuing takedowns of YouTube videos made by members of their own creators program. There was a bit of good news. YouTubers Ethan and Hilla Klein of the H3H3 channel won their battle against someone suing them for copyright infringement because they made a reaction video critical of him. It wasn't just in the U.S. either. On the 7th of May, we talked about the Amsterdam District Court's determination that unauthorized subtitles for movies and TV shows are illegal. On 9th of July, we covered Canada's Supreme Court ordering Google to remove search results worldwide. On September 3rd, we covered how New Zealand's spy agency had illegally spied on Kim.com. On December 10th, Australia revoked the safe harbor status of Google and Facebook because users might post links to infringing content. I think they're kind of missing the point of safe harbor there. John Peterson has a different nomination. I will nominate America's sterling justice system as idiot of the year. This hitting close to home for our next guest, whose 17-year-old son was killed by an illegal immigrant in Los Angeles in 2008. So your reaction to this verdict, um, for a lot of people, it's academic. For you, it's personal. I expected it. I remember telling people, he's going to walk. He's going to be the one that so-called takes down Trump. That's all they cared about. You know, it pissed me off how they don't care about us. And this guy, piece of garbage, they act like he's just so innocent and Kate Steinle's family is mourning forever. I don't care about legal aliens, you know. My son was murdered. He was walking down the street in America. He actually thought he could do that and he was wrong. He was shot dead by a legal alien on his third gun charge. And then we hear people like that want us to turn the other cheek. Oh yeah, that was the main thing, you know. I mean, the people down there on the jury, they were all activists, you know, left-wing nut jobs, you know, you got the prosecutors. We had to get rid of two prosecutors. We had to change judges. I had to pretty much say, I'll, I'll burn the city down if you guys don't try to do that. They did the exact same thing with mm. Kate Steinle, but they couldn't get away with it because the district attorney was a conservative. Let's hope 2018 is bigger, better, and more awesome. There were other reasons to criticize the justice system, too. The 5th of February's biggest bogan emitter went to the Cockrell Hill Police Department, which got hit with ransomware but said, oh, it's okay, because the only things we lost were things that defense attorneys would need. On the 7th of May, we talked about the arrest of a journalist who gave media interviews without the court's permission, a blatant violation of the First Amendment. We also talked about the engineer who was fined by the state of Oregon because he pointed out problems with their red light scammers. That day also saw Idiot Extraordinaire go to Justice John Glasso for saying that prior restraint is necessary against Internet chaos. On the 2nd of July, we covered the Supreme Court decision that went against centuries of legal precedent and property rights common law to say that you can't sell one parcel of land if you build something on the parcel next to it. At least, not if it means the local government having to pay more money for it when they forcibly take it. And on 29 October, we covered how police body cameras are having little to no effect on police misconduct, largely because it's so difficult for the press to get a hold of the recordings. 
And last, but by no means least, on 10 December, we covered how the courts took the last chance for justice away from the family of an imam who preached against ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and terrorism, who was killed by a U.S. drone strike. And now let's hear about Tim Dyson's nominee. The mainstream media has a long and sordid history of acting as a defense force for evil. But 2017, I think, will be known as the year the mainstream media overplayed its hand and started itself down the inescapable road to obsolescence. Where does one even begin? Concocting baseless Russia conspiracy theories to cover for Hillary's failure in the election? Generating sympathy for violent offenders while demonizing their victims? Running interference for multiple sexual predators? Unapologetically slandering millions of the population without remorse? Shamefully supporting censorship? championing terrorist groups like Antifa and BAM, along with just generally wasting the public's time with inane, if not outright, false hit pieces against any views they disapprove of. Is it any wonder why Americans are cutting their cable in record numbers? For turning the entire profession of journalism into a laughing stock, I can think of no better candidate than the mainstream media for Idiot of the Year. He's right, it's hard to know where to begin, even if we just consider the stories we covered directly. But I guess we can start at the beginning of the year. On the 8th of January, the entire news media took biggest bogan emitter as they claimed that one laptop at a nuclear power facility with a bit of malware on it meant that Russians were hacking the power grid. Even though it was completely impossible for them to do so, as the computers that actually ran it were not only air-gapped, but were many computers that didn't run anything resembling Windows or any other modern OS. Their claim that it was Russian came from indicators in the malware code, which could easily have been put in by one of numerous utilities hackers used to cover their tracks, at least one of which was used by the CIA, according to Wikipedia's Vault 7 leaks. On January 15th, we saw how CNN, BuzzFeed, and a lot of other news outlets credulously passed along reports that Donald Trump had prostitutes urinate all over a bed that Obama had previously slept on before, something that had actually started as a 4chan prank. That same episode featured an unrelated story from The Intercept detailing how it is that false claims can be so casually published by news outlets like The New York Times, which in that case knew that the story of Edward Snowden being a Russian spy was false and published it anyway. On the 12th of February, we talked about the media credulously passing on a completely false story of Trump Supreme Court nominee Neil Gorsuch founding a Fascism Forever Club when he was at school. How about the 7th of May when we covered Rachel Maddow blaming Venezuela's problems on Trump when, as we've covered, it's been going on for years before Trump took office? Or her insane conspiracy theory, which we covered on October 29, attempting to tie the attack in Niger that killed four Green Berets to Trump's travel ban? We saw how big the problem was getting on the 2nd of July when several CNN journalists resigned over the network's bogus linking of Trump to a Russian investment fund, part of their desperate plan to link Trump to Russia, something else we covered story after story about over the course of the year. We really got to see how bad CNN was when someone made a meme of the Trump wrestling video and put the CNN logo over his pretended victim. CNN threatened to dox him if he didn't pull the video and issue an apology. Not only can they not handle satire, they act like thuggish trolls in response to it. Of course, there's all their misinformation about net neutrality that we had to contend with throughout the latter part of the year. There were too many to list, but the most egregious is probably when they claimed that there were lots of fraudulent anti-net neutrality comments posted to the FBI's website, while ignoring all the evidence that there were also fraudulent pro-net neutrality comments that were posted as well. 
We also covered the media turning on Charlie Hebdo because instead of just making fun of Muslims, which of course makes them immune to any kind of criticism, they started mocking white Texans. CBS 11 in Dallas bogusly fear-mongering about the new security chips and credit cards when their own cited study confirmed they were better. CNBC claiming that Venezuela's socialism-induced food shortages were good because they result in people losing weight when there wasn't exactly an obesity problem to start with. The BBC and other outlets claiming artificial intelligence is racist. The Guardian trying to claim the government innovates and not the market. And in a separate article, claiming that libertarian ideology is the natural enemy of science. The Portland Mercury, which drummed up opposition to a small burrito shop run by two white women, which they claimed was cultural appropriation. The Denver Post claiming that Colorado's low unemployment rate is bad for the economy. Salon claiming that right-wing memes are worse than fake news. I mean, they would, being the kings of fake news themselves. Bloomberg claiming the corporations are making people die younger. And step three is profit. I could never figure out what step two was supposed to be. ESPN removing a commentator because his name is Robert Lee. And the entire news media's idiocy in the wake of disasters such as Hurricane Harvey, including the usual economic ignorance about so-called price gouging, the same old fallacious, oh, it'll boost GDP garbage, and even blaming Houston's flooding on a lack of zoning. The crap attempting to tie WikiLeaks to Donald Trump and Russia got cranked up to 11. On November 5th, we talked about the media's desperate attempt to link WikiLeaks to Trump, claiming that the Trump administration had advanced knowledge of Hillary's hacked emails before Wikipedia published them when their smoking gun evidence was dated the day after WikiLeaks made the emails public. They also tried to tie WikiLeaks to Russia because reasons. And on December 3rd, we talked about how the Atlantic's attempt to paint WikiLeaks' attempt to convince Donald Trump Jr. to release his father's tax returns was collusion somehow. It was done with a deliberate quote mine, easily debunked by looking at the entire exchange that the rest of the news media passed along without any attempt at verification. We even covered on the 21st of May how NPR deliberately lied, claiming that WikiLeaks published 9 gigabytes of partially false documents by bogusly tying the Macron leaks to them. That very same day, we gave CBS Idiot Extraordinaire for deliberately and deceptively giving bogus statistics on opioid abuse in America, as well as deliberately and deceptively editing a video from Silver Clue on Laureate Miles Power, showing him apparently advocating drinking bleach when his video did the exact opposite. It showed why you should never use that product or drink bleach of any kind. Of course, there's all of the news media's misinformation that followed pretty much every shooting that happened in the year, most egregiously the Texas shooting where they kept ignoring the fact that the shooter was stopped by an armed citizen. On November 19th, we talked about USA Today's incredible ignorance of guns, fear-mongering that there was an accessory for the AR-15 in the form of a chainsaw bayonet. Hilarity ensued as it was memed right, left, and center. Well, not so much left. And it's funny how none of these outlets seem to be the ones people want to target when they want the FTC to ban fake news. All in all, there's just so much of it here that I have to agree with Tim. Only the news media could be 2017's Idiot of the Year! Whew, that's it for 2017, and I don't know about you, but it was a busy year for me. Here's looking at 2018, hoping it's a little bit better, a little bit saner, a little bit more relaxing. 
but I'm sure there'll still be plenty of bugosity to cover, so don't go anywhere. Regular podcasts resume next week. Thanks to all of my co-hosts for participating. Thanks to all of my patrons and donors. And, of course, thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Chris Hedges. The press is owned by an oligarchic corporate elite, which makes sure that any critique of them is never broadcast on the airwaves. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Want answers to creationist claims against evolution? Would you like to know more about evolution yourself, or even engage creationists more directly, with actual peer-reviewed sources to back you up? My book, How Evolution is Scientific, is designed to show the basics of evolutionary theory and how it is so well supported using the scientific method. It's impeccably sourced, with references to the actual scientific material, and is arranged using the creationists' own criteria of what is scientific. Using their own arguments against them, see how evolution is scientific, but creationism is not. Based on observations, accurate predictions, logic, and evidence. Get answers to common creationist claims, and even a primer on abiogenesis, the start of all life. It's all in my book, How Evolution is Scientific, available at Amazon, and on Kindle, EPUB, and PDF as well. Get How Evolution is Scientific and never be taken in by creationists again.